Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan talking to you about Nehemiah 9, which Garen taught uh, just yesterday on November 12th. But before we even get in, Garen, you brought up a good point as you and I were just talking and that Nehemiah felt very different in the first half than yeah. it has kind of in the second half. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe we should just address that because if you're sitting in a, in a sermon, hearing a sermon, you know, yesterday, as opposed to four weeks ago, it almost feels like two different stories. Yeah. So talk about that difference and I don't know, anything we should be on the lookout for. Yeah, with that. it's kind of, I mean, there was this inner energy from following this guy who's on an adventure and it's almost like Indiana Jones or something. And he's encountering all this stuff and he's leading well and he's restoring. And all of a sudden the shift is to the community and what's a healthy community look like and the restoration of the community. And it's just a totally different vibe. And I was just telling you, it would have been cool for me, like if we could add 13 chapters of him, more adventures. I know. And uh, <laughs> the adventures of yeah, Nehemiah. The adventures of Nehemiah and um, different things that are going on. But what I realized as we were even talking again, that we're so individualistic and we love heroes. And I think everybody does, but you know, the community is important and, and it, I do stand on the shoulders of others. I mean, I'm impacted by the community around me and you do have to have a healthy community for us. So I, I get why God did it. And it's just a different vibe and a different feel. It's not any less important. Um, but it's something I think good to just address briefly. Yeah. And it's okay that it feels different. It's, it's a story that's taken us not just on the story of Nehemiah, but the story of this whole community, like you said. So it's a bit of a key change. Yeah. It's a bit of a focus shift, but it's a good thing and it's taken us to a good place. Yeah. And there's still really good stuff. I'm, I've been just me realizing like, wow, what these are essentials. When it hit me a few weeks ago, we're just going to be hitting essential of a healthy community. I thought these are really important just a different vibe, but I hope people are still getting good stuff out. Yeah, of it. it's good, but it is a it is a sharp left turn. Yeah, and if you're, you know, like sometimes you're sitting in like a go kart or a golf cart, and somebody turns sharp and you're not ready for it, and you fly out. It's like that could happen to you in Nehemiah, <laughs> so you got to be ready for it. Yeah. So it's been a change, but it's been good. Okay, so Nehemiah Nehemiah nine, and you know, in chapter eight, they get Ezra to come and read the the law, yep. and he's retelling the story, and people are coming back to God and realizing, and they're calling everybody in, and Doing the doing the big celebration, yep, celebrating full of joy, all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, then in nine, you know, it's almost the response to that to the reading of God's word, which is Israel spending. It says like three hours just like confessing sin. Yeah. Right. Confessing how they have not followed God's plan, how they have not trusted Him, how they've gone gone their own way, and then it says three more hours of just worshiping God, right? Of just praise and worship to him. So we're talking about a, a, at minimum six hour, six hour church service church here. Church service. So that's how we know this didn't happen at 12th Avenue Baptist because we'd have 
<laughs> we do. We have all, some dissenters yeah, about ninety all, minutes in. Yeah. You would, the people walking out the back door, kind of thing. A lot of that would. A lot of uh, a lot of people going yeah. to the bathroom and not coming back. <laughs> yeah. So they're, which is, and it's good. They're all in on this new uh, direction that the that the community of Israel seems to be going. And so then, you know, they go through this whole Old Testament of the Jewish people, and just talking about how God has been so faithful to them and brought them through so many things. And, you know, we won't go through all that. Something good that came out of it that you were kind of talking about was, um, I think it was during the prayer and confession part of Israel here. You were, you showed us this graph, right? Of how on the Christian walk, as we become more aware of our sin naturally. Or and, more aware of his righteousness, then I become more aware of my own sinfulness. Oh. Yeah. That the more I get to know him, and I'm like, wow, he's even better than I thought. Oh. But then the contrast is like, oh my gosh, I'm further from him than I thought. Oh, I have mine flipped. Yep. So I'm the, opposite yours. So that's yep. why. Uh-huh. So yeah, as we get to realize how big God is, it makes us more aware of our sinfulness. Yeah, it makes us more aware of our smallness and comparison. And you showed us this great graph where the two lines start to diverge and it gets bigger. It's like a bigger and bigger piece of pie. And in there is, in that gap is God's grace and God's grace and our view of the cross just gets bigger and bigger as we see that disparity between our sinfulness and God's goodness get bigger and bigger. Yeah. And the only way that could ever be bridged is through Jesus and through the grace that that God offers us. And when we'll come back to this in a minute, but you see that on that prayer, that interplay of God's who God is and who they are. And the contrast is so huge. And that's why to me, God's goodness and grace really stands out and shines in chapter nine. And it, it becomes so evident. And we'll come to that when we talk about the Old Testament God. So, Yeah, and, and we spent a lot of time talking about this New Testament God. And you kind of took us through all these verses in Nehemiah 9 that kind of chronicle who God is to these people and just the different ways that he's interacted with them throughout the ages. One of those ages was verses 22 to 25 when we talk about the conquest of Israel when they come into Canaan and they're clearing the way for future generations. and you know, it, it sounds good and it sounds fine on paper, but if you go back and really read those verses, um, it can be kind of ugly. Yes. And it can cause you to question the character of this God that's commanding them to just wipe out people, like wipe out entire people yeah, groups. Here's all these people in this area and just, just wipe them out. You blow them to smithereens on my behalf. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And I had somebody who's a very dear friend who says, I struggle with that. And yeah, of that whole span, that's the one that gives people the most difficulty. You'll hear people say God's commanding genocide there. Some pretty pretty strong language that's used against God. A couple of quick things I might say about that is what's really interesting is we hone in on that like kind of that destruction kind of language. But if you if you read through the Old Testament and with an eye to what it says about the Canaanites, the language that's most used about that is God says, I will drive them out before you. Mm. And it's not so much, it's not the just total slaughter we think that actually God was was actually moving. I mean, that brings up other things, but it was actually dispersing people and moving them out. It wasn't so much like you're going to have to kill them. It's like, I'm actually going to be moving there in front of you and I'm going to be moving those people out and they're going to know you're coming. And they've heard stories and there's going to be them choosing to move, to move on, to get away. And so it's not the slaughter that we think. And the other thing is there's stories in there of that that city or that group of people who they end up making like a, 
a peace treaty with who treat them well. And they're like, we'll let you stay and we'll kind of work together. And Rahab gets accepted in the community. Ruth is during the period of judges, but still that's kind of in that era. And so there are examples of, of people like that saying, I commit to Yahweh and they're very much welcome in the community. So it's not the all in out slaughter that some people think that it is. And I, I'm probably going to do a whole sermon on it because I want to come back to it. The other thing I would say is, is God told Abraham that he was going to do that almost 500 years before he did it. And he actually gave the Canaanite people um, about over 400 years for them to repent and turn from the things they were doing were awful. I told my friend yesterday, if, if a country were doing today what's happening there, the UN would be together and we would be in a day, we would be bombing the heck out of that place. To, to gain control of it, to free the people and the oppression that's going on. If they were, if somewhere today was doing those practices. So I told him, my problem isn't that God, after 400 and some years, came in judgment upon them. My problem is that he waited so long and gave them grace way too long. It's his mercy and grace that to me is, is the problem more than the, the other. So that's just a simple, mm. a few thoughts about that, the conquest. Because it, it that is troubling. That conquest troubles a lot of modern people. Sure. Yes. And I think that, like you said, we could sit here and spend this podcast and maybe the next two or three talking about this and still not get to the bottom of it. Cause there's a lot there. There's a lot going on. Um, I just read a really great book by Paul Copen called is God a moral monster. I heard um, Tim Mackey talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so I read it and it's addresses good. all this stuff and more. Yeah. And very helpful, very good, very easy to read. So if this is a, a stumbling block for mm -hmm. you, that could be a, an easy pickup. It's like 10 bucks on Amazon. Um, but yeah, do some reading, do some thinking on this because it is a heavy thing and, and it, it, it does matter. But oftentimes, like you said, there's so much more going on there than in our Western minds we first think about. Yes. And so it's good to, yeah. to think through the context yep. and all that stuff too. And that's why Nehemiah is so good. Nine, it just gives us overview and the contrast between the people and him is so stark and how rebellious they were and they continually time after time blew him off and didn't give a rip and how he continually met that with his grace and mercy. That, that chapter, I think, summarizes so well the Old Testament um, that to give us that view that, yeah, there's things we have questions about, but this is the, rain, the reigning idea is that God's grace and mercy is what rules his patience and his goodness is the thing that stands out in the Old Testament story. Yeah. So. Cool. So we kind of go through all of that in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 9, all the way up to verse 38, which kind of gets us up current with the Nehemiah story. Um, after that, Garen, you, you kind of went through a few things that were just really good and really applicable to like modern church. So the first was you talked about two essentials of healthy church that you see in this story. One is that we are committed to prayer as a body, which we've talked about previously. So we didn't really spend too much time on that. But the other is that we as a body are committed to remembering, right? To remembering yep. God's goodness in our lives and the things that he's done for us, the ways that he's uh, provided for us. And we see over and over in scripture, Deuteronomy 8, among other places that God commands his people, do not forget, right? Yeah. Do not forget yep. what the Lord your God has done for you. So maybe just talk quickly, Garen, about why God commands that so often and and what it might look like if we were a body who didn't remember God's goodness. Because I think we're so forgetful. I mean, that's... In fact, in Deuteronomy 8, we're saying, don't, don't forget and remember me. He says twice, you will forget. Twice yeah. he says that. Right. So he knows, and that is the bent of the human heart. And that's my bent. When I get in difficulty, when something happens, or when I get in prosperity, 
right? That's what they were. That's part of what he was saying is you're going to, things are going to go really good for you and you're going to forget me. I think we can forget God in prosperity. That's almost more destructive to our walk than when bad stuff happens. Yeah. And in some ways it actually is, you know, the prosperity is uh, very few people. In fact, there was a quote I left on the table that said, a lot of people can handle difficulty. Very few can handle prosperity. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. So either one makes me unforgetful. The prosperity is like, yeah, I kind of start thinking I did this. This is the work of my hand. and Which look, is weird because this podcast gets like 45 listens a week, which is pretty significant. So it's it's insane how humble we have remained throughout that. <laughs> so I'm just really proud of us for that, Karen. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. I but no, that's, yeah, the prosperity, we just forget him. But even in the difficulty, you know, we were talking before, I, I've got this thing in my face right now today, and it's easy for that to become overwhelming. And then the thing that happens is, is I forget the hundreds of ways he's brought redemption or he's taught me through difficulty in the past. And usually a weekend is when I'm finally like, no, wait, oh, I've had this before or something similar. Oh, that was really good. I grew a lot through that. Or, oh, he came through in this way. And that remembering is so helpful in me restoring my trust and like, yeah. I don't know what he's doing, but I trust that he's got this in some form. Yeah. So it's the remembering is really important. And it's not just that we as humans are forgetful. Our cultural moment is not yes. rooted. It's not anchored in the past. Not at all. It's anchored in the here and the now. And what have you done for me lately? Yep. So there is, you know, not a lot of emphasis put on what those people who came before us did and how significant it was and how we should remember it. It's very much more about what's going on right now yeah. and what's the next and up and coming. Thing. I mean, that's all my chief's friends. That's all they want to talk about. It's the here and now they don't oh, want to remember they don't want to talk about the, the historical 90s. record yeah, of the right. Broncos and the chiefs. <laughs> all they want to talk about is do the Broncos have the right overall now? like record? You know, uh, I think they do, but I'm going to be careful on that limb because <laughs> I'm going to say that and somebody's going to, is going to approach it. me about that. Yeah. But yeah, our culture is all about the here and now. It's, it's forward, all about the it's, new, the novel. It's forward looking, right? It's not looking backwards. It's looking ahead. In fact, you're almost like there's something wrong with you if you're looking back. Yeah. Right? Like, why aren't you looking to the future? Why aren't yeah. you looking at what's coming next? Yeah. Kind of, kind of right. thought process. And the problem is you get stuck in your own age, your own way of thinking. That's why C.S. Lewis, he talked about chronological snobbery in our modern times. And that's why he said, Every time I'm reading a new book, I go and read an old book because they're going to have a perspective that I don't. Our culture, our time is bent a certain way and I get skewed in my thinking. And so I really appreciate uh, mm. that. And even, you know, we got to get Tolkien in on this, the Lord of the Rings. Okay, okay. At the very beginning, you watch the movies, it talks about that the whole problem is, is people had forgotten about the stories of the past oh. and what had happened, what was history became myth and what was myth became forgotten oh, wow. and that they became disconnected from their past. And, and Look at that. nobody remembered the enemy from before How the old that stories. How did not make it into the Sunday morning? Man? You know, that's that a really like good a question. Run. That's a huge failing, isn't it? On my part, man. that this is all coming to me right now. Well, that's so. just some it, bonus content. Should we charge for this? That's, that's right. That's bonus content. That's bonus. Only for the podcast. <laughs> audience. That's right. Yeah. So we talked about all those things and that's all just extremely true. You talked about how remembering the things that God has done for us results in gratitude towards him and trust in him. And so we, I was just kind of thinking, what would it look like um, in my walk with Jesus if there was no remembering what he's done for me? And if, if it was devoid of gratitude and trust, what would my relationship with him actually look like? And um I don't think it would be good. I think it would be very 
robotic and transactional and like mm. moment to moment, um, unsure if God really had my back or not. Right. It would be really hard to want to be in that relationship. So gratitude and trust, those things that are afforded me by remembering God's goodness in my life, really essential. Yeah. Really good things that I need. So very much so. I agree. And that's something we just need. We need to exercise that muscle because it's, I, you know, last week, the celebration muscle, I don't think is strong in the Western evangelicalism. I don't think this remembering one is strong. How, so how do we do that then? I mean, how do we flex that muscle? How do we exercise it so that it's not just something we do when Garen talks about it in the MI9, but it's something we do all the time with our friends and family? Yeah, I think not everybody gets into journaling and I'm up and down with it, but the, I know the people who do it faithfully talk about that they'll go back and look at past things and, and they, they're reminded a lot of things God was doing in their life. If you remember, we saw Wayne Cordero, his talk about um, the most important book he said is how their church does soap and they have their little binder things. And after you do that day's reading, you go back to the front and you just write a word or two summary of it. And he said, he'll go back and he can look at a year really quickly and see like what God had done in his life. And that act of remembering was really helpful. So I think journaling mm. is a way, mm. but not everybody gets into that kind of thing. Mm. That's why I think as a family and especially as a head of a family like last week is, am I, do I have my family in the word of God and right. are, do they know the story of God so that they know these stories, they know of all the ways that God has come through and that stuff is, is kind of, you know, it's in them, it's in their heart. Cause we live in a culture with like biblical literacy, illiteracy is at an all time high. There's some famous Jay Leno's like he'll ask people some of the 10 commandments and they say the oh, most right. whacked things, right? Yeah, right. Um, biblical literacy is, is, is not good. And I've read some Barna stuff that even in the church, young people know the Bible way less than they used to. So as a family, like how can I keep the word of God in front of them? So they know his story and how yeah. he's acted. Yep. And if you're head of a household and you feel intimidated because maybe you don't even know God's story that well, um, not to say we shouldn't be going over God's story with our family, but there's other ways to remember God's goodness too, aside from just you knowing God's story well. Um, I think in addition to going through the Bible with your family, there are things you can do with your kids at night. Like for me with Jet and Maggie, Jude's not quite old enough, but with those two, it's like, hey, what was something really good that happened today? Mm -hmm. What can we thank mm -hmm. God for today? And just getting them into mm -hmm. a rhythm yep. of realizing that every good and perfect gift comes from him, right? And that he is due our gratitude for those things. Yep. So, so that's a small act of remembering. Yeah, just real small, Looking back on the things. day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. And I feel like telling stories. Oh, sure. Because God does things for us in our life. And it's, it's like, we need to keep telling those stories. And... Mm -hmm that's some of my family's history with God and my history with God. And occasionally maybe keeping a visual reminder, something making my own memorials. I find that so helpful. And I've got a few things in my life. A few years ago, I prayed, I preached on John, the whole thing about the bread and the feeding of the 5,000. And I talked about God's ability to come through and things that I think are impossibilities. And we passed out little, people could take a little loaf of bread for a thing they were praying about. And my loaf was about my father coming to faith. Mm. And I kept that thing and it was on my desk and it got old and hard, never got moldy, which tells you a lot about the preservatives <laughs> that are in those. Yeah, right. But, um, and then he ended up coming to Jesus and I still have that. And I see that. And that is a reminder of how God faithfully worked in my dad's life over 30 some years before he huh. came to faith. Pretty cool. So, 
Yeah, I found that loaf. It's down in your. <laughs> it's down in your little like work area, which is also the interns area. And they, what were they doing? I think Lucas found it. Yeah. And either like threw it in the trash yeah. or was getting ready to. And I was like, dude, you, cause I think you had just told that story or something. I was like, dude, you cannot throw Garen's loaf away, man. That's really. That's like a memorial. That's it, a remembrance. But like- in his defense, it is like a brown rock. <laughs> I mean, it does look like it fell behind the bookshelf for a decade and it's like, oh, this needs to go. So. But the whole point is, I think if, if, can we get into habits and, and try to have ways that we intentionally do that Yeah, for the sake of not just us, but for our children. And all of our kids know the Van Briggle story. I mean, we've got that little thing up there. And I occasionally, when I'm, you know, it's right by kind of the, the screen up front. And I'll look up there and I'll see that. And I'm like, Lord, that was so awesome. And I remember the story. And that helps yeah. keep me anchored in his goodness and gracious and grace mm. and provision in my own life in the past. Man, I just want to raise my family anchored in that, Garen, because it is so not like, like we said, it is so not typical of our culture to sit back and remember good stories and to tell stories of God's goodness and to have these little visual reminders of ways that he's brought us through things. It is so like onto the next soccer practice, onto the next thing. Oh, we got to answer this text. So we got to vote. It's like, man, not only do I not have time to sit and do those things, but there's no like desire that's instilled in us from society to do it. Yeah. So I really want to lead a countercultural family that is good at doing that. So you reminded me of that Sunday. And even though we're doing it in small ways, I want to, I want to get something visual like on our bookshelf or something. Um, and just, yeah, like it'd be so cool if my kids knew that story growing up and we could talk about it often. So you've made me think about this, uh, in my own family too. Yeah. And even actually, um, of our, ki- of our children, Carissa, we, we had gone seven years without children and we thought we were not going to have any children. And when, I got pregnant with Carissa. We wanted a name that was a memorial. And so her, if it was a boy, it would have been Nathaniel, which means the gift from God. And Carissa means a gift from God. Hmm. It's Greek. And so that name, and we've always told her that, and she knows the story. And so even her name is a memorial. Oh, cool. It's a way of just kind of putting a nail on the wall to hang your faith on. It's a, so there's just different ways to do it. But I think if, if we could get better at that. And I talked to Al even after the service and, he said that when it was the 40-year anniversary of 12th, he said he preached on remembering that day oh, yeah. and the importance of it. And then the 50th anniversary, we had all the old pastors come back. And and he said that day I was reminding everybody, like, we stand on the shoulders of those yeah, before us. And I God, that. That God has been active in our church history for all these years. So just that that remembering is really significant. Yep. But we're not good at it, right? I have to, I it requires intentionality for me. It's not like, I'm just doing this because I'm super spiritual. My, I'm part of my culture and it pushes against memory. Yeah. And we're not, we are not no longer anchored to the past. Our whole culture does that. So it's things I've just got to do and it's got to be important to me. So. Yeah, totally. So let's be a body that is good at remembering. Garen, any, uh, any last minute stuff that kind of got left on the editing room floor you wanted to include? You know, something that I was even just thinking about, because I talked about that, that it was a community of prayer that really was a big prayer of confession. And boy, that one's a like corporate confession is not something we're very good at, is it? And I don't know. That just totally hmm. has hit me while we're talking here. We may not want to go down that road, but um, you know, they say that's 
before a revival ever happens, confession is always the first. Yeah, right. Well, hunger for God would come first, but that would lead to a confession of sin. I don't know if we want to go down that path. If at somebody, this point, but. so if somebody's in the twelfth body and they're feeling led towards corporate confession or towards they want to share with somebody, what are kind of the avenues? What are their options here? Uh, yeah, that's a good. I mean, my, our main options would be you do it personally, or you know, since I read Richard Foster's book, Celebration Discipline, and he has a chapter on that. The, that act of confessing to my close brothers, mm-hmm. my sins has become important to me. Um, I think if somebody's in a, I mean, this is part of the reason we really push the, you know, the triads or the quads. Yes. So that there's a, a group of close believers that you're walking with weekly that you feel like you can take that to. Yep. If you're in a life group, maybe a life group setting is too big, but like a good friend of mine is, oh, I need to text him actually. He asked me for guy girl questions because they're doing guy girl night tonight. So if there's a guy girl split off in your life group and that's a that's uh-huh. a time to kind of confess some sin maybe that's a yep a good thing so there are there are avenues but they all start with getting plugged into deeper community here yes yep you know last week i was just in a small group with some a unique kind of group but somebody in that setting was doing some confession and we stopped and we prayed over them prayed for them prayed for healing and um you know was honoring their vulnerability and their willingness to be authentic and to share that kind of stuff. We need to get better at that um, all around. So, yeah. But three hours of it, I'm not sure if Ooh. I can handle three hours of I mean, what, what would I confession. do with the other two hours and 59 minutes? I mean, <laughs> I live such a squeaky clean life. There's nothing to confess, right? Now, if we're in those communities, in those places where we feel safe to confess, you know, someone said to me that uh, salvation what does it say? Confessing your sin to Jesus results in salvation, but confessing it to others results in healing, right? Mm, so in James, yeah. when it says confess to one another that you may be healed, yeah, that's what it's so good for. Mm-hmm. So being honest with that small community, um, or even if it's just one other person that you're walking with can be such a good thing. Yep. Because we can be forgiven and not fully healed from it because we're so human. Yeah. So, okay, guys, hope this was useful. Looking forward to Nehemiah 10. If you snuck ahead and did the reading, you're... Uh, you'll realize that there's a lot of names in there, but Garen has assured us that there is some good stuff that's going to come out of it. The second half of Nehemiah 10, chock full of, of good teaching that he's going to yeah, line and up for us. I would say, Jordan, we we could um, um, maybe give a challenge to some of our readers. Is there anybody who'd like to read the first half of the chapter publicly oh, from yeah. the stage next week with the names? Rush up on your I'd be, uh, I'd be happy to, uh, to have somebody do that. So anybody who's listening to this can step forward. <laughs> And uh, if so, they're so on Sunday, you're going to say, all right, anybody uh, <laughs> going to step up and read these names for us? See if anybody steps up. That'd be pretty funny. We might buy an Opie chicken house dinner if somebody's willing to do that. I don't oh, know. Man. We'll see. In this economy, that's quite the yeah, gift. Yeah, that's quite the deal. So, All right, guys, thanks for being with us. Um, hopefully Nehemiah 9 spoke to you. We're excited to take the next step next week too. So have a great week. We'll see you again soon.